Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to predict things before they happen. But it kind of feels like we're at the end of this, doesn't it? It's weird. <laughs> just at least up here in the Northeast, the world just kind of opened up in the last two weeks or so. And uh, it's hard to believe the year plus we've been through. I am working on a freelance producing project right now. I have maybe alluded to it a little bit on the show. I don't know. And I don't think I can get too specific about what it is or who it's for or anything. But uh, it's a very cool project. I hope to be able to tell you more about it someday. All I can say, I think, is it's my first narrative project. Um, I, I guess maybe since college. I, I did some narrative work in college. But, uh, you know, it's a fictional piece. And uh, I've been going through casting and booking crews. I'm going to be producing and directing it. So uh, yeah, it'll be my first time back out in the field in a long time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that'll be happening in another week or so, but it has taken up a lot of time. And in the meantime, I decided on top of all that, that it would be a good time to renovate my mother-in-law's bathroom. I wrote about this in the newsletter last week, but uh, I just kind of tore into it. It all started with needing to replace a faucet and then, you know, it turned into a cabinet, it turned into a countertop, it turned into a, a sink, turned into painting the walls, new toilet. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's a lot. It's been fun, and I am so happy seeing it come together. But, uh, yeah, be careful. Biting off more than you can chew, I guess. And uh, renovations have been on my mind and, you know, beautifying houses because I've been talking to a lot of HGTV folks lately, and I'm really excited for this one. John Pierre and Mary Shanyopin are my guests today. They have a new show out on HGTV called Two Steps Home. I've had a chance to watch an episode or two, and it's a really interesting concept. You know, they basically take somebody who's in an existing house, help them stage their house for sale, and that usually involves some minor renovations and redecorating and, you know, things like that. But really, getting the house to look good so that you can sell it at a profit and then using that profit to go into another house and uh, make it your forever home or your now home or, you know, whatever, a comfortable, fun home. So Two Steps Home, that starts on HGTV this month. Go check that out. It's a very cool show. John and Mary uh, previously had a show called Going for Sold. And they also pitched in, you may have seen them on Hometown Takeover with Aaron and Ben uh, hanging out in Wetumpka, Alabama. I love that series. I mean, I love Aaron and Ben, you know, they've been on this podcast. And uh, yeah, I just think Hometown Takeover was such a cool show. It just ended uh, this past week and seeing what that whole HGTV team did to this town, Wetumpka, Alabama. And it, it just, I don't know, it hits the message that there are little things that you can do in your town to make a big difference. And I don't know, I've talked to a lot of different filmmakers and, and uh, you know, other people about the meaning of community, the meaning of home. It's been an interesting topic over this last year. And uh, John and Mary have some things to say about it, too. So, yeah, they're based out of Houston. It was a really fun conversation. I, I really enjoy their new show, Two Steps Home. And uh, we had a great talk. So here it is, my conversation with John Pierre and Mary Chanyupin. I want to get started by just asking about this crazy, you know, year plus now of COVID. What has this time been like for you guys? It's definitely been crazy. I, I think we're in the same boat as a lot of people, you know, across the world. It's been an up and down, 
sometimes really slow, sometimes really fast, sometimes very scared, sometimes very cautious. It's just been always trying to adapt to, you know, whatever the new news is, whatever the new situation is. We've been as cautious as we could be and just dealing with the ups and downs of it all because it's definitely been a roller coaster of a ride. Yeah, because we're not only dealing with the COVID, we're in Houston, so we're dealing with the hurricanes and freezes and right. <laughs> all these other elements that are out. I mean, we, we didn't have power here uh, two months ago for five days, power oh, or water and wow. and it was freezing, you know, and we had to deal with that while shooting and while filming in our clients' homes, the pipes burst and oh, wow. we can't, you know, so it, it, we, we've had to, we have literally weathered the storm. <laughs> <laughs> in so many ways. That's crazy. Well, talk to me about just like five days without power or water. Like, how do you even, like, how do you live normal life <laughs> that way? Well, you know, thankfully we, we put in, during the quarantine, uh, beginning last year, we put in a stock tank pool. Oh, yeah. And I, I tell that. you, that thing has really, it has paid off in dividends. So not having, uh, put it how you say, potable, yeah, potable, potable water, water. running water. Yeah. We were able to get buckets and knock the ice off the top layer of the pool. And we used that's how we got water to flush toilets. And, you know, we have gas range. So we were able to cook soups every day. And, you know, you just, man, you, you feel like you're on Survivor. You're just, you're just making it. And the kids loved it. Yeah. They loved it. How old are your kids? They're, they're really little, right? Yeah. They're three and our oldest just turned six uh thursday oh wow yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah mine mine are uh mine are eight and five <laughs> just like the thought of like they love going camping when they sort of know that's the activity but the thought of kind of camping at home <laughs> kind of that's a whole different level oh yeah keeping them occupied and activities and making sure they stay warm and we we can learn and we have learned a lot from our kids they really are amazing creatures i tell you yeah well, I want to ask you about the new show, Two Steps Home. That was, I, I think I saw on Instagram some pictures of like, you know, behind the scenes and stuff where, you know, the crew is all masked. Like you shot the whole show during the pandemic, right? That's all been done over this past year. Right. Yeah. All of it's been over, over the last year. We started on in April in 2020. So uh, it's been over the whole year and it's been, um, it's been definitely like, a, it's been very unique, you know, just having to deal with protocols and, and lots of testing, testing and you know, tracing, making sure you're keeping a small circle uh, as small as you can and stuff like that. So it's been a unique shooting experience, no yeah. doubt. Right. I mean, everybody, you know, we all have been quarantined from our families during that time. You know, so when the holidays came up, we had to be mindful of that because there, you know, there's a lot at stake, you know. Right. So there definitely has been a year of uh, tremendous sacrifice you know, to make this show and, and to keep everybody healthy. So it's, it's definitely, like John said, been a very unique experience. Yeah. You started in, in April 2020. Like, to me, that's that's surprising because that is, I feel like that was before we even really understood, like, how to, how to work with the virus. You know, like, I feel like th- there have been kind of protocols developed, you know, kind of last summer and stuff where people were able to go back out. But like, you guys were kind of the pioneers then, it sounds like, of just like, we got to get back out and do this. Like, what was that like? Just trying to figure all those pieces out. Yeah, I mean, luckily, I mean, luckily or not luckily, however you look at it, but we were in Texas. And so we just, we were kind of on the forefront of, as a state, uh, the relaxing of protocols, yeah. right? 
And so um, that was the first part that, that allowed it to happen. And then the second part uh, was just our production was extremely careful. And they, and they, you know, everyone who was coming in had to quarantine before we could start and stuff like that. Everyone had to take tests. We had to take tests. And so there was definitely a lot of um, a lot of sanitizing, yeah. a lot of distancing, yeah. you know, no crew lunches. We, yeah. it, you know, everything was different. You know, we all are having to make, you know, exactly. concessions. Yeah. And so, but it, it was definitely for the greater good. And I tell you, doing that pilot in April really let us know that we could do it. Yeah. It, it was like, okay, wow, we, we made it and we did it and everybody was safe. We just have to do what they tell us to do. We wore our face coverings, we, you know, sanitized, we kept surfaces clean, and we distanced. That's what we did. And it worked. Yeah. And so it's like if you just follow the instructions, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it could definitely happen. And we, and we did it. So yeah. it was definitely something to be proud of. That's awesome. Well, you know, I, I, it's funny, too, because home renovation shows are so different from other types of television. You know, like if you do a talk show or something like you've got the host there and, you know, you need a camera crew and whatever. But like for you guys, it's not just the TV side of it, but there's actually work happening at these houses. I mean, it could be what crews of 20, 30 people <laughs> like just uh, managing those logistics, too, on top of all that just must have been must have been a lot. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely went to a smaller crew and, and just because of our nature, and the way we run our business, we, we keep a very tight crew like the guys that we work with. We've been working with them for years. And so keeping that small circle, keeping that understanding of familiarity, having that trust and knowing that, hey, you guys have to make sure if you're going to be a part of this, you can't be out and doing other things. So, you know, everyone, it took, it, it took a huge effort on everyone's part to be able to stay safe and still work. Um, but part of that, being able to do that also just came from having a, you know, an extensive background with our guys and sure. being able to trust them and say, hey, this is what we need you guys to do. Because um, that's kind of how we we built our our business model. We have we work with the same guys year round, and so that that really helps just building the trust. And they're kind of like an extended family for us. Prior to COVID, we were able to like go to their house and we you know eat lunch and stuff like that. And sure. so it, it's good that we have a kind of a tight community and uh, almost like a, a, an extended family sense with our crews. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious about that too because this is relatively speaking kind of a new line of work for you both. I mean, this is like home renovation, you know, that side of it, that's uh, what, within the last five, 10 years, you guys kind of both made big life changes and, and went in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely were catapulted. So I feel like we, we, we definitely missed some steps, <laughs> but you know, we, we've had to make, you know, really big adjustments to our lives, but they seem to naturally flow within itself. Yeah. You know, everything that has happened, it feels like it wasn't forced. It just was like, oh, okay, uh, we're going to start flipping houses. John's a realtor. We'll start doing home investment. And then, you know, by our third house, here comes uh, someone saying they want to do a show with us. We don't believe them, but okay, <laughs> we'll do it anyway. Right. You know, the least we could do is just get our, our business name out there. We didn't think it was something that would turn into into what it is now, you know, and it all just feels like it, it, it just floats so naturally. Um, and I'm not, yeah. and I don't want to make it sound easy because it definitely wasn't, and it hasn't been a easy road. There's definitely been a lot of challenges, but you know, John and I are dedicated to overcoming those challenges together, you know, versus it yeah. being, uh, you know, if he was on his own doing it and I was still flying, I don't know. I just right. don't know how he was able to do it. <laughs> so it's definitely a, 
Well, that, yeah, like you mentioned flying there, like, as I understand it, Mary, you were a flight attendant and and John, you worked in the oil industry in some capacity. Like those are, those are major shifts, I guess. That's not going from, you know, realtor to architect or something. Like what was it about, you know, getting into the flipping home businesses and stuff? Like what, what drew you to that line of work? What made you guys want to pursue that? GCV. I mean, you know, just watching it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So we, I was in the oil industry with my with my family. We had a family owned business. I worked in it for 15 years, and it was just getting to the time to find something else. I like just go on to the next journey. We did. We watched a lot of HGTV at that time, um, and I was like, "Man, this flipping thing is we can do this. Like, this is something we can do." We loved Income yeah. Property. That was our favorite show. Yeah. We loved that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so we were like, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to take a leap. And I left my, my uh, family business and kind of became a realtor. And then we started looking for um, houses to invest in and flip. And then Mary was flying. And as time went on, we got more and more into the flipping. And, and then it kind of became an all hands on deck thing where we couldn't do it separately. We both needed to be there. And yeah. so um, she made the jump from flying, which was a huge change because we definitely enjoyed the, the perks of her being a flight attendant sure we gave that up and and then just kind of went full born to flipping went houses all in yeah we went all in at all in. houses and and then we just used what the backgrounds that we had i just that's why i felt like it was natural that's why i yeah. feel like even though it seems like it was a huge leap all of the experiences that we gained, you know, for me on the service industry side and being of service to others is the same thing that we bring now into working with clients. Uh-huh. It, you know, it's just that I bring the service part of it. And John coming from the oil industry and really having to, you know, create things and make things work. And, and that's you know, all the problem solving that he did then is the same thing that he's doing now and management that he did at that time. It's the same management skills that he's bringing to all of our projects. So right. I feel like it, it really has, like the, the universe has basically created this space for us to really find what is now our passion based on the experience that we had and where we came from. Wow. That's, that's wild. Yeah, it, it is funny sort of when you start something new, how much of your past life kind of seeps into that. And you're just like, oh, yeah, like that wasn't all for nothing, right? Right. It really, I mean, you, I mean, it, and I fought it for a minute now. I, I, yeah. I wanted to be a fabulous flight attendant forever. Right. You know, and I, I loved my job. I really, really did. And it wasn't until recently having like this, that aha moment of, you know, I said, man, you know, I'm not traveling all over the world, but I get to go into people's homes. Yeah. And it's something that even when I was a kid, when I would go and ring people's doorbells and to want to rake their, their yard, I used to love opening their doors and they would open their doors right. and just smelling the different scents that would come <laughs> in out of people's homes. It's really that same thing. It, it's all that stuff starts coming back to you like, oh, wow, I love, you know, because I was super nosy. So I love sure. being, looking at people's houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing now, you know, so we, you never know how, how it's going to manifest into itself you just have to uh, allow things to happen and and see um what comes of it and this is it the weird thing to me like just thinking about having steady jobs like you both had where you know you're getting a paycheck you know every week every two weeks whatever it is like when you go into house flipping 
no one's writing you a check. Like if you sell the house at a profit, <laughs> then maybe you get, you know, 20,000 or 50,000 or whatever it is. But that could be three months or six months or a year into the future. Like that, I don't know, just to mm-hmm. me, it feels like it, it takes a certain type of person to be able to walk away from a regular paycheck and just kind of, again, mm-hmm. yeah, take that leap of faith and say, okay, we're not going to get paid now, but we're going to do this work and hope that there's some reward on the other side. You, you are speaking our language. <laughs> it literally is a leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely that, the, what you just talked about is the battles that we've had and, and just the understanding and coming to uh, acknowledge that that leap of faith, it's a leap of faith. And I, and I think a lot of times when people talk about it, no one talks about how hard it is and the, the journey of failure yeah. in that leap of faith that you have to go through in order to make it or at least be on the upswing of it. Right. And so, you know, when you're flipping, especially for us, cause we didn't come from, we didn't have like some huge bankroll that we could just flip eight houses at the same time. Sure. Right. So it's feast or famine. It is whenever, whenever you're investing in a house, it's your money going into it and there's nothing replenishing it. And then when it sells, yeah, you make money, but now you have nothing else that's helping you make money. So you got to put that money back into the next house. <laughs> right. Right. So it's like, it's feast or famine. You either have a whole bunch of money or you don't have any money and you got to figure out how to make it in between those, those two times. And just the trials and tribulations of that, whenever you are coming from steady jobs with good benefits and, and all these other kind of things, those are real life things that we had to, to battle and figure out how to make it through for a long time. It, it, you know, our journey Number one, we're not our journey isn't over, but sure. it's not like we're, we're we've made it to the top now. We're we're finally on the upswing of like having the ability to not have money constantly at the front of our heads about how we're going to make it from month to month. Right on right. that journey, on that leap of faith, because that leap of faith is a leap, but that's a long that's a long cliff. Mm-hmm. And you got a long way to figure out how to fly, and so it's taken us you know it's taken us a, a while to figure out how to fly, and and so we're we're happy that we made it through, but the the lessons that we had to learn along the way are things that um, are both testaments to our faith and at the same time, things that really tested it as well. You know, like it shows us that we can do it, but that man, you do, you definitely have to go through it in order to make it. You got to suffer. suffer. (laughs) There must be, I wonder sort of your dynamic as a couple too, because like, I feel like the only way for that, for that whole dynamic to work is like when one of you is ready to give up, the other one always has to be there and say, no, we're going to push. And and that can switch at any time. But like, you can't both be in the place of like, yeah. what are we doing right now? Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, have you been listening to our podcast? I, I haven't, but I just... I, I swear, I mean, <laughs> but it's what, this is what we talk about on our podcast. Yeah. We have a podcast called Unequally Young. And it, we literally talk about just the ebb and flows of, in the up and down of, you know, one day he's positive and I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, John. And then the next day it could be, you know, he's like, man, I'm just so tired. And I'm like, well, I'm not. So let's keep pushing. You yeah. know, it's, we're never up at the same time, but then we're never down at the same time. Right. So I, I think that's what, that's what makes it a team, you know, and that's what makes us a team anyways. And we pretty much have our, personalities are what they are. John is a very optimistic, very hard worker. He's always been that way. Yeah. He's always like, you know, he can see the 
the positive and things where I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'd rather have that consistent paycheck. And, right. you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, especially when at that point we had had uh, our, our first child. So I didn't understand wanting to quit your big job to go off and, and pursue to something different. Sure. I was like, this is time to be consistent. But he has taught me so much about just taking those chances. You know, I don't know what our life would have been like had we continued on that, on the everyday, you know, him that nine to five and me gone, you know, four days out of the week. Right. This is really what our life should be. Um, and I, I can't see it any other way, especially now even having our kids and being able to share this with them. And they come to the houses with us and they love it. Like they, you know, we're all together. And if it weren't for John taking that, that leap of faith and saying, Hey, I'm, I want something different. I want something for us to all family. Um, we would not be together. Yeah. We wouldn't, we wouldn't all be together at the same time eating dinner, you know, at the table um, every night. So um, I'm extremely grateful for that leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the journey you're describing is what a lot of people are going through right now at the end of this pandemic. <laughs> like, you know, people with office jobs getting summoned back to work and like, you know, is this what I want to do? Do I want to commute, you know, an hour or two every day? Do I want to be away from my family as much? Or, you know, with with everyone kind of home the last year, working from home and kids doing school from home in some way, like, that's nice. You know, I like that. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sorting that out for myself, too, right now. So it's it's interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, about you mentioned getting this call from like an HGTV producer um, working on your third flip. Uh, so that ended up turning into the show Going for Sold, you know, which is your first show with the network. Now Two Steps Home is the second show. But like, what were you guys thinking when that call came in? <laughs> like, what what was the conversation like? I got it in my in my email, and I think it sat on my email for like twenty four hours. I didn't even tell I didn't tell Mary. I, I, I just wanted to sit there because I was like, this is stupid. This is not real. And so then finally, I, I you know I showed it to her, and she's like, yeah, that's that's that doesn't make any sense. And we sent it to one of our friends. She's really good at like research and stuff like that. So she researched the email and was like, yeah, I think this might be real. Yeah. And so I think like three days later, we decided to call back. Uh, that production company. And then shortly after that, more production companies started emailing us and calling us. And so I, I think, think it was like 11 yeah, total. Yeah. It ended up being oh, like wow. 11 production companies reached out to us in, over the course of, you know, a month and a half or two months. So then it became like, okay, maybe this is real. I have, to this day, I don't know why anybody thinks I should be on TV. That makes no <laughs> sense. I can understand them wanting Mary to be on TV because she's amazing. But for me, I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. He's ridiculous, right? <laughs> He's being He's modest very now. Kind. It, was, it was very... It was random. It was very it felt random, random. And not real. And yeah. so after the third time, you know, someone reached out to us. So like, okay, maybe this is legit and, and maybe it is something here. Well, because at that time, we had just... He had, first of all, John was not on social media. Like, really, like he... I always joke with him that he's like the last person on earth to, you know, get on social media. So he had created a YouTube channel for us in the first video. The only video at that point was it was upside down because something was, his phone was broken. Okay. I mean, it's still there to this day. So <laughs> we never took it down because it's like, you know, people, it's really cool for him to go back and see, like, we didn't effort for this. There were no tryouts. There were no, we didn't hashtag. HGTV. We didn't know what the hashtags meant, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because uh, we didn't know what social media, the power of social media, anyways. 
at that point and it was odd and and we were like at that we were new in our business and we didn't understand why anybody would want to film us doing it. I said maybe they just want to I don't know, laugh at us because we're still trying to figure it out. (laughs) It didn't make sense to us, but we we definitely uh, said, let's do it. At this point, we've taken all the all the chances. Let's just do it. We don't we didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. And uh, and now here we are. That's wild. So just like literally one YouTube video is all you had posted and, and somehow people were finding that and just saying, oh, these guys are great. Like, I want to talk to them. So I think at the time I had been on Instagram for maybe a year, but I think at that time I had three posts. Okay. And then on Facebook, I had just gotten on, you know, probably five years before, but maybe had a grand total of 10 posts. Okay. But the, the YouTube, he had posted the upside down video and there were some videos with Harper, our daughter at that yeah. time. She would walk into uh, the houses and just survey the area. It was kind of funny. So I don't know, maybe it was, we didn't know. We really didn't understand. But yeah, we, we, we didn't have, there was no grand following. I probably had a hundred followers. Yeah. <laughs> like our YouTube page probably had it was, three subscribers yeah, or something like that. It was me, you, and one other person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was like nobody. Uh, it, the one thing it did show us was just the power of the internet, like how unbelievably uh, powerful and, and the influence that social media and, and those kind of things can have uh, on one's life. Because sure. we, we were not, we weren't social media moguls or anything. We just were just normal people just yeah. trying to live our life. Right. And it's fun to have fun because whenever we did get into flipping, it was very stressful because we were putting all of our money into it. And so we were just trying to figure out a way to have fun and make the journey fun and right. not as stressful as it, as it was. And so that was the way we decided to do it. And, and these things started happening from that. So it was, it was pretty cool. That's wild. It's it's so interesting to hear you talk about the power of social media too, because I'm I'm really curious. And, and Mary, I feel like this is more a question for you, maybe, but certainly both of you feel free to chime in. Like, so much of flipping is about aesthetics. Like, you, you know, a couple of cans of paint, maybe a new floor. Like, it doesn't always take a whole lot to really sort of change people's value perception of of a property. And I feel like especially now in the age of kind of Pinterest and Instagram and things like that, home buyers go into the home buying process with a certain expectation of what, you know, quote unquote home should look like. And I, I guess I just wonder sort of like as you're designing a property, like how much what's happening on social media is sort of in your head and just thinking about, you know, what people's expectations are going to be walking in the door of a property. Yeah, I don't think about it in that, you know, when we were flipping houses, the the goal was to appeal to the masses, but also our strategy was making sure that our home stood apart, you know, from the rest. So I didn't do things that were your typical color schemes. You know, I definitely took a lot of risk when it came to that as far as the overall design and staging goes. But now working with clients, it's not, I don't think about it as far as what I need to do to make it look like an Instagram worthy picture or anything like that. For me, it's all about the feels. You know, we want our clients to walk into their homes and, and we want it to feel like home. We want it to smell like home. We want them to just have that instant connection. And I just feel like all that other stuff will take care of itself. Yeah. So I don't think about social media at all, to be honest with you, yeah. uh, when it comes to designing. Like my, you can look at my Instagram page and I follow other people and other designers. And I'm just like, man, their Instagram feed is so beautiful. 
Yeah. And it's just so curated, you know, perfectly curated. My Instagram is what it is. It's, right. it's my real life. Like it's my kids. It's, I don't know, food, cocktails, uh, yeah, <laughs> my plants. It, it really, for me, represents my life. And I think that for social media, I don't feel pressured to have a pretty page Yeah, to, to keep it 100 with you. Yeah. I would love to, you know, all the filters. I don't, I don't even do all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I guess I'm talking less about sort of what you're putting out there and more sort of what people are coming in with an expectation of that, you know, as, as you say, like there are these design pages where people have very curated feeds and, you know, every color is very carefully picked and, you know, the throw pillows are coordinated and whatever. And I, I don't know, to me, I feel like that has kind of changed people's idea of, of what a house should be that like, and people sometimes have a hard time seeing past things like that, that like you guys know as flippers, like yeah. if there's a bad floor it's, you know, 1500 bucks, $2,000 to put a decent floor in that's going to make you happy. But like some people, they just, they get so stuck on that and they say, I can't buy a house because of that one room or, you know, that one wall color, like just very superficial things, I guess. And, and I don't know, to me, I feel like that's, yeah. that's become more pervasive in recent times, maybe because of social media. Well, yeah. I think the one thing that is common, even despite the fact that there is social media and, and all these other Pinterest ideas and stuff like that, is so many people, even though they can see what that looks like, they have no idea how to get there. Mm, so sure. um, I, I think that even, even though that they see like, oh, I want my house to look like this, they don't understand how to make it that way. Right. right and what it takes. And so I, I think that the pressure that, that would be there isn't necessarily there because even though they're looking at it, they still don't have an idea of how to make it and how to yeah, create it. Right. And that's why Mary is able to put it together and, and, and put her unique spin on it. And so I think that's kind of what happens in real life. Real life is when they see that Instagram picture, it doesn't register as real life. It registers as like some far off fantasy. dream yeah. world that ever be my house. Right. Right. And so whenever we're able to, to put something like that into their house, it may not be exactly what they see on Instagram, but it's their version, it's their vision. It's what they want. And, and that's what Mary does a great job of creating people for their own homes. And then it becomes so real. And then it's almost unbelievable. Like, oh, my God, now my house looks like an Instagram page. Now my house looks like a Pinterest, you know, and, and people just don't correlate the fact that what they see can be real. And yeah. so because we're able to create that, it gives them the same feeling as if what has been so far out there and not reachable is now inside of their house. And the emotions that go along with that are just amazing. Feeling. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a feeling. And that's what, you know, touching on the fields that Mary was talking about, that's kind of where, where we try to bring it to the forefront. Sure, for sure. <laughs> I'm really curious too, just like in thinking about the meaning of home and, you know, especially after this past year, we've all, we've all spent so much time in our houses, but like, you know, one of the things that I really loved this, this, you know, recently, I guess was hometown takeover and, you know, seeing the work happening uh, in Wetumpka, Alabama, uh, you know, Aaron and Ben Napier are kind of leading the charge on that, but you guys were involved in that project as well. And just, you know, it wasn't just one house, but huge parts of a, of a whole town. Talk to me just about the experience of kind of being involved with hometown takeover. Over. That was an unbelievable experience. Extremely humbling and very, very inspiring. Unbelievably inspiring. Yeah. I, I don't, it's so hard to put into words how cool that was to go into a small town, 
you know, Mary grew up in a small town. I spent a lot of time in a small town and just seeing people come in again, it's almost the same thing as like an Instagram page. We were just talking about earlier. It's like people in a small town so often don't even think it's possible, right? Like having beauty and having, having that sense of not big city life, but just the beauty that you would normally associate with a big city life coming to your small town and make things beautiful across the entire town, not yeah. just in one spot. And so, you know, our interactions with, um, with the police officer and, and the restaurant were just, it's really hard to describe how humbling and seeing the appreciation mm-hmm. that those people had in, in a way that was, is almost like it's not believable that it's actually happening to them. Yeah. They just um, kept saying, we don't, we don't, we can't believe this is happening. Yeah, and yeah. they were just so grateful. And you just love being around people who they just appreciate everything. They just appreciate being seen. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, we were all there, uh, that Ben and Aaron were there to make over their town and to beautify it. It really, the, I feel like the town will match the people that are already there. Mm. Um, and just the heart that was already there. Yeah. I mean, I walked away from there just feeling just unbelievably inspired. And I had, I had, oh, I was so grateful um, just to have that time. And especially when we went, it was during the election. And yeah. there was a, a high emotions already going into it and coming out and just being in Alabama. And yeah. John and I left and went to uh, Birmingham. Birmingham and we, we visited the uh, the African-American uh, History Museum. And sure. it was such an amazing time that I, I'll never forget. No. I really won't. Yeah, there is something that that did kind of strike me um, against this current backdrop, I guess, you know, to to see as as tension between the African-American community and the police has sort of been in the forefront over the last year. And to see, you know, a black female police officer and have all her white counterparts there holding her up and cheering for her. And, you know, there was just something that it made me just say, like, I don't know. Like, why are we so divided? What, you know, if this town can do it, why can't the rest of us? You know what I mean? I tell you what, those men love her. Yeah. They love me. They were, I, I mean, they captured it, but there was so much emotion and love there. Right. You can feel it her through the TV. And, oh, man, it was real. It was real. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm weird to tell you. It was real. Those right. those men, they showed up. They were so happy to be there and to do that landscaping with us. And right. They're like, it's the least we can do because she does so much for them. They all were like, she's like our mom. She takes such great care of us, you know, and it's like you just want to be around a person like that. Yeah. You know, and I think it was also just a testament, just kind of go back to, to your question just about, Tension and stuff like that. I, I always, you know, in my brain, it's there's always two worlds, right? Like there's there's the world in general, like what we see on TV and what we see on the news and stuff like that. And then you have your own personal world, right? right. And and how your interactions go with the people that are in in your actual world. And so one of the things that I took away from going to such a small town where the world, their world is even smaller, yeah, right, is that their interactions with the people around them it's almost like it give it gave us a new sense of authenticity. It, there was an authenticity whenever you would interact with them because the world is so small and because they're basically around the same people all the time. And so it, it really is brought to the forefront for me of like, yes, there's all these huge issues going on 
in the greater United States of America, but whenever you have the opportunity to take in and be present to what's happening right in front of you, sure. you can see that there actually is good uh, across racial lines, across um, economic lines, across size, town sizes and stuff like that. When you have a chance to take in the fact that the person in front of you, you can judge them for who they are and treat them as an equal human being right in front of you, then it gives you a whole new sense of what it is to be authentic and what it is to be genuine to another human being. Yeah. And to be able to see that happen in that way, not just across uh, because it was the police force and because she happened to be African-American and because they all happen to be, you know, Caucasian males, to see that genuineness between them all. It's like, yes, there are greater problems, but if, if people take the time in the same way we acknowledge those greater problems in the, the huge world, yep. if we would also acknowledge and be, be present to the idea of you can talk to the person that doesn't look like you right in front of you with the same genuineness and authenticity that you would to your own family member or to your friend or whoever, sure. that would go a long way to change the world as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was it was an implicit message, I think, in the series, but one that that definitely, you know, I walked away with and and definitely appreciated. And I'm I'm glad to hear that you guys felt that same that same way on the ground that I felt watching it at home. Wow, it was amazing. Oh, it was even more so. Yeah, it was it was really it was really amazing. Awesome. Um, I want to ask one last question, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but this stock tank pool, that was one of your quarantine projects. I've got that on my list this summer. I want to make one. Like, was it was it worthwhile? Like, do your kids love it? Is it was it worth the effort? Oh, my God, man. It is the best investment you can make for yourself and your family. Yeah. $400. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not very expensive. You know, it, it's very YouTube friendly. The only recommendation that I would make for that versus the majority of the stock pool tanks that you see, most of them are metal and round. Yep. I would strongly suggest going to a square and plastic tank, which is what we did. Yeah. Um, and that makes things so much easier for installing your filter. Right. But I mean, for we added wood because we made it part of a big pergola and stuff like that. But the stock tank, tank the stock tank pool itself, with the pump and a simple setup, would probably cost you under a thousand dollars total. Yeah. And man, our kids, our, our daughter who's six now, she taught herself to swim in this tank and there was never any chance of us feeling like she might drown because it's only, you know, 28 inches deep. But yeah. she taught herself how to swim. That's great. Without us having to do anything. And they get so much enjoyment enjoyment out of it on, on a weekend basis. They will go out there and play in there for hours. hours. And we can, <laughs> you know, and we can, we can be going back and forth between being outside with them and being in our house and never feel like we always have to be on top of them watching them because nobody's going to fall yeah, in. Nobody yeah. like they have to climb to get into it. Yeah. They just, they love it. I tell you, it really is the best thing yeah, oh that God. has happened <laughs> for the quarantine. Yeah, for sure. All right. There we go. John Pierre, Mary Chanyopin. Go check out two steps home. It's on HGTV this month. New show, fun show. If you haven't yet, hometown takeovers on discovery plus go check out that show as well. All of it's great. It's fun stuff. And uh, yeah, I love those guys. They were fun to talk to. Hope I get to connect with them again soon. And, uh, you know, when I'm down in Texas next, I got to go see one of their projects or maybe take a dip in that uh, that stock tank pool. It's weirdly on my list this summer. I was not even kidding. My wife and I have been talking about it and trying to figure out where in the yard it should go. And 
our kids are at the right age for it. So give me a follow over on Instagram and maybe you'll see that happening. I don't know. It's still uh, still to be determined. My newsletter comes out every Sunday. Go to heathrasella.com and enter your email address there to make sure you get on that list. And new episodes of Quarantine Creatives are every Thursday. Hit subscribe, or I guess follow now is the new term they're using. But either way, make sure you're uh, linked in here to uh, Quarantine Creatives. And I'm at Heath Rossella on social media. Check me out there. Go get that vaccine. Stay safe, everybody. 